I want to begin my Christmas message with a question. I'm fond of using questions to kick off uh, a message, and so here's my question for you tonight. Have you ever struggled to get someone to see you for who you really are? You ever struggled to get someone to see you for who you really are? Or perhaps um, once you get uh, to know someone, maybe someone you had a preconceived idea or notion about, and then once you get to know them, perhaps they're different uh, once you get to know them than what you thought about them before uh, you knew them? It's an interesting question to consider. Um, I want to show you a a picture of my brother and sister-in-law and my nephews and one niece. Uh, Now, if you've been around here for a while, you've probably heard me talk about them before. Uh, There's one person missing in this picture, and it's my nephew, Josh. Tragically, he was in a car accident several years ago and suffered a brainstem injury and, and, uh, and went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago now. And so he's not in this picture. But, but my brother and sister-in-law are right here in the center, and they had seven boys and one girl, bless her heart. <laughs> or bless their heart, I don't know. I don't know to feel bad for the boys or to feel bad for uh, Abby. Now, he, here's the deal. When they were little, as you can tell, they're much older now, but when they were young, when they were like one, one and a half, two years old, uh, they wanted nothing to do with me. In fact, like when Wendy and I uh, would walk into a room together wherever they were at, if we were over at their home celebrating a birthday party or whatever event, our families are super close, we would walk in and every one of these kids, when they were little babies, and the oldest Michael over here on the far right hand side, what's he, 27, 28 years old, um, like for the last 27 or 28 years, as she's been giving birth to all these children, Wendy and I walk into a room and they just flock to her and they wanted nothing to do with me. They wouldn't let me hold them. In fact, they just gave me the stank eye. They just look at me like, who is this guy? Who is this weirdo? Now, I tell you that to tell you this. It's kind of analogous, I think, to the way that many of us view Jesus. See, I think they had a, a broken view of who I was. That they didn't see me for who I really was. And it's analogous to the view that so many of us have um, that, that God, we don't see God for who he really is. In fact, in my experience as a pastor, one of the things that uh, I've come to, to know is that there's lots of ways uh, that we have these broken views of God. I think there's three primary ways. There's probably more than this, but I want to share three of them with you tonight, three, three ways that we have these bo- broken views of God. And the first one is this, is that oftentimes we see God as a disapproving parent. We see him as a disapproving parent. You know, the parent for which nothing is ever good enough. If you make your bed, well, you didn't make it right. If you cleaned your room, well, you missed a spot. If you got married, well, then you married the wrong person. If you have children, well, you're not raising them right. In fact, I talk to adults all the time. It's kind of fascinating and tragic. But I talk to adults all the time who are still, maybe even decades later, still trying to repair relationships with their parents over these types of issues to earn the respect and the love of their parents. I think this is how a lot of people feel about God. I mean, jokingly, it's funny, like as a pastor, I'll be out in the community, maybe I'll go to a restaurant or I'll get my hair cut, 
uh, somewhere, and inevitably, when the question comes up, well, what do you do, and I, I tell them what I do, and I'm a pastor, uh, I always feel this obligation to invite them to church, and so that's what I do. And so if I'm getting my hair cut, and they're like, what do you do, you're a pastor, I'm like, yeah, and you should come sometime. It's so funny, lots of times, here's what they'll do, they'll go, oh, no, 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 no. Like, if I come into your church, like, lightning's going to strike, <laughs> you know, or I'm just going to spontaneously combust, I'm just going to burst into flames uh, because of all the choices that I've made, but because of, of what I've done, because of who I've slept with, because of my addictions, because of what I've chosen to smoke or chosen to drink, people think that God is waiting for us to get our act together and to clean ourselves up before he can start to love us. But this is a broken view of God because God is not a disapproving parent. Another broken view of God that we have is that God is like a heavenly vending machine. Now, how do vending machines work, right? You put money in and then treats come out. And, and, and so when I was in middle school, which this seems really weird to, to tell you, but 40 years ago is when I was in middle school. Do they even have vending machines in schools anymore? Do they? Um, when I was in, uh, did they let you have sugary drinks? I feel like they've cut those out of a lot of school districts. So uh, when I was in middle school, man, if I had 50 cents, because everything was a quarter. So if I was fortunate enough to have 50 cents in my pocket, when I was in middle school during lunch, I would go to the drink machine, I would put in my quarter, and, and I would get one of two things. I would either get a mellow yellow. Anybody know mellow yellow? Yeah. Or how about this one? Tab. Right, tab, that was the precursor to Diet Coke. So that was what I would drink. I would get a mellow yellow, put my quarter in, get a mellow yellow. And then I would go to the snack machine, and typically I'd put the quarter in, and then Funyuns is what I chose, right? Mellow yellow and Funyuns. That's the diet of me in middle school. You put a quarter in, and treats come out. And I think that oftentimes we think the same thing about God. If I put good behavior in, if I'll just read my Bible... Enough if I'll just come to church. Enough if I'll do enough of the right things. Well, then God is obligated then to bless me in return, right? In fact, I think a lot of young people are losing their faith today over this particular issue. Because what happens is, is they grow up and experience a, a little more life and they begin to suffer. Then they begin to say, where is God in all of this? Like, I feel like I did all the things that he expected me to do, but see, the situation didn't turn out. In fact, we were praying, and, and, and I was praying, and, and then we called the church, and we had the church praying, but, but mom still got sick. Or my parents' marriage ended in divorce. Or the job fell through, whatever the case may be. They say, I gave God everything and I didn't get back in return what I expected. It's more like we treat God like it's a transactional relationship. You know, God, if, if I scratch your back, then you'll scratch mine, right? But this is a broken view of God because God is not a vending machine. It's not based on our good behavior. Here's the third view. Another broken view of God is that God is a coach, so what's the idea here, right? Well, a coach tends to stay on the sidelines, 
It's the players that are in the game. The, the players are the ones on the field. The players are the ones on the court. The players run the plays. The players make the plays. The coach is standing over here on the sidelines. And so when things break down on the field or on the court, well, you can just turn and get some good advice from the coach. There's lots of Christians that, that view God as a coach, that, that, that he is over here and he's distant. And what happens is, is then God's not the center of your life. And so we lean on the coach when things get messy. And so this is why we pray before the big job interview. This is why we pray when our friend maybe is in the hospital or perhaps we even read our Bible for a day or two and we feel encouraged and we feel inspired because we've gone to the coach. And the coach has been there and he's given us some good instruction and some good wisdom and good advice. But here's the deal. He's on the periphery. He's on the sidelines. He's not the center of our life. And so what we say is, we got this. We, we, life's going okay. But he's not at the center of our life. God's not a coach. Over the last month, we've been in a Christmas series. And our focal verse in this Christmas series has been Matthew Chapter 1, verse 23, I actually read it a little bit earlier, and it's this. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Friends, this is the game changer. See, Jesus came to show us what God is really like. I mean, believe it or not, you and I are incapable of knowing anything about God that he himself doesn't reveal to us. I mean, think about it. Where on the planet can you go and learn more about God unless God chooses or decides to show you more about who he is, reveal himself to you? And see, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to show us what God is like. And so when we read Emmanuel... God with us. Here's what it means. It means that God is not a disapproving parent. God is not a disapproving parent. God is not staring at you from a distance. He doesn't have a scowl on his face. He's not standing there with his arms crossed waiting for you to get your act together. See, when Jesus came, he stepped into the middle of your mess. He stepped into the middle of your chaos, in the middle of your brokenness. He stepped into your situation. In fact, John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so listen, God is not a disapproving parent. God had the courage to leave heaven and to step into humanity with us, to suffer with us, to hurt with us. He came into the middle of that, Scripture tells us. He came to the middle of that which he created. He is not an absentee dad. He's in the middle of it with you. Emmanuel, God with us. It also means this. It means that God's not a heavenly vending machine. Because he is not waiting for you to put good behavior in so that you can get blessings back. It's actually way better than that. 
In fact, look at what Romans 11.35 says. It says, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? In other words, it doesn't matter how good you've been or how many good deeds you've done. I had a pastor say, no matter how many little old ladies you help across the street, you can never do anything to get God to owe you anything. God owes you nothing. In fact, Romans 5.8 says this. If you haven't heard this before, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what does that mean? Well, it means before you put anything into the vending machine, good stuff just started flowing out. That, that God has already chosen to bless you. God already loves you. He's given you the most amazing gift in his son who died for you. He suffered and died for you and he suffered and he died for me. He's not waiting for you to be good so that he can bless you. He's already chosen to bless you by sending his son Jesus. And lastly, Emmanuel, God with us, means that God is not a coach. He's not content with being on the sideline of your life. He doesn't want to be on the periphery. He wants to be right in the middle. As soon as I say that, I think I look down at this Advent wreath and the Christ candle is always in the middle. See, God wants to be in the center. He doesn't want to be off to the sides. He doesn't want to be off to the periphery. Because even though a coach may be there to pick you up when you've fallen down, he might be able to inspire you, he might even be able to give you some good advice. Here's what a coach cannot do. A coach cannot die for your sins. Only a Savior can do that. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. So Emmanuel, it means God with us. I want to come back to this picture of my niece and nephews. Now you might find uh, this to be a little bit silly, but here's what I always wanted to do when, when, when I would walk into a room and they would just kind of give me the stink eye and they wouldn't come to me or, or let me hold them. Always what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to like physically, if I could, shrink myself. There's probably, a, there's movies about this, right, where they shrink somebody. Dan, you're a scientist. Can you shrink people? I don't know. But I always wanted to like be able to get down on their level and be able to like, uh, you know how babies, they just kind of communicate with one another. You can't really understand what they're saying, but they're talking, and you know that they just kind of get it. And, and so it's like I wanted to get down on their level and be able to talk with them and just say, hey, um, your Uncle Alex, he's not as bad of a guy as you think he is. He's actually pretty nice. He's actually pretty friendly. I mean, would you maybe just give him a chance? See, that's what Jesus did for you and I. He got down on our level. He entered into the mess. He entered into our lives. He became a human so that we could know what God was like. So when we celebrate Christmas, we, we are celebrating more than just the birth of Christ. We are celebrating more 
and Jesus' birthday. It's more than that. It's the idea that we read in John chapter 1, that light came into the darkness. You got your candle. Did you grab a candle when you came in a little bit earlier tonight? If you want to grab that candle, I'm going to light our Advent wreath here. Maybe. We'll see what happens. This wick doesn't look like it's going to light. So it'll be okay. Maybe I'll just go straight to the Christ candle. How's that? And this year, because of COVID, typically what we would do in a moment like this is we would light this Christ candle and we would share our light uh, with one another. This year, it looks a little bit different, but you've got a candle nonetheless. And so I want to invite you at this time, you can just twist the top there, maybe, or the bottom. The light will come on. And how we always end our services, we sing Silent Night. And so as we sing, as we dim the lights and we sing this last song, what view of God do you have that's broken? Consider that for just a moment. Consider how crazy it is that our God would abandon heaven, a place that you and I are looking forward to to being perhaps one day that he would abandon heaven and come and join us in this mess. That's who he is. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. And so I want to invite you to stand, if you would, at this time, and let's sing Silent Night together. Savior is born. 
Lord, at thy birth. 